Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We've been talking about having lives that bear fruit. We've been talking about that in this series. We've spent most of our time in John chapter 15. And today we're going to kind of get away from John 15. Y'all are right with that? And uh, one of the things that we talk about when we're talking about fruit is we're really talking about the thing that, that comes out of our life, right? We're talking about character. Come on, are you with me? We're talking about what, what shows us. We, you know, Jesus said that, that you'll recognize a tree, you'll know a tree by its fruit. You knew that that was an apple tree. They knew to go and get apples from the apple orchard. Why? How do they know they were apple trees? Because they had apples on them. Philippians chapter 1. I love studying the prayers in Scripture. We did a, a series a couple months ago called The Prayers of Jesus. And I love studying the prayers in Scripture because I think the most important things are usually the things that we're praying about, right? And so Paul prays this, and he says, I pray that your love will overflow, overflow, more and more, and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. How many of you want to grow in knowledge and understanding. Not just you know the way something works, but you understand how it works. Come on, are you with me? So knowledge and understanding. He's praying that we grow in that, right? How many know there's no gift for being ignorant? So he's praying that we would grow in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand, this is what he's, we're, he's praying that we'll understand, what really matters so that we may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. And then he says this in verse 11, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. Everybody say always. Always. Even on your off day. Come on. Even on Monday. Hey guys, Sunday's coming, but so is Monday. Right? So he's praying that we would be filled always be filled with the fruit of our salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this, and we've been talking about this, the reason why we have fruit is the fruit is for God. God's a farmer. God wants fruit. So when we have fruit, it actually glorifies the Lord. You say, I want to glorify the Lord, then bear fruit. You bear fruit. You yield fruit. That's how you glorify the Lord. So he says this, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So what does righteous character look like? What does the fruit of the righteous look like? Galatians chapter 5 tells us. Now we're going to do a little bit of reading here. Y'all good? Y'all tracking? Galatians chapter 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, let me hold on real quick right there. Many people don't like certain translations because they use the word sinful nature. And Paul talks about how our sinful nature has been crucified. So if that's a stumbling block for you, then exchange sinful nature for your flesh. Because you still have skin, you still have a world that you're living in, and you still have to battle every day for what you naturally desire that's not godly, right? So you can call it the sinful nature. We're not going to get caught up in terms. Or you can call it your flesh, okay? So what your sinful nature or flesh craves. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants to do. Amen. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature or the flesh desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Now, how many know that he is rotten to believers? Now, how many, how many when you're reading this, you're like, oh, I know this morning, right? Right? I know yesterday. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So you intend to do good, but you don't do good. Why don't you carry out your intentions? Because of the flesh, the sinful nature. And you got this, oh, I want to do what I want to do, but I'm not doing it. Why? Because the flesh, your sinful nature. But when you are directed, oh, come on. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are under no obligation to the law of Moses. 
Isn't that interesting? When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So this is what happens when you follow your flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling or fighting, arguing, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now, if you, we went, read through that list and you're like, oh, on that, you're, you're in good company, right? I thought about putting in your seat back a, a little, a little uh, column and had little boxes next to them so you could check off which one of those. <laughs> but we, did, we decided not to. We don't want to take inventory of that. <laughs> Let's just put it all in one box, the flesh. It's easy to say, well, I don't do drunkenness or outbursts of anger, but you're divisive. Come on. It's all the acts of the flesh. Let me tell you again, as I've done before, that anyone living oh, that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, how many know that there's a difference between living that sort of life and screwing up? Are you all with me? Okay. So he says that, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom. But the Holy Spirit, oh, here we go. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. What is it saying? It's because you don't have to look at a list and go, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. Because if your heart is connected to the Spirit, all the right things that God requires will fall into order. That's why it says there's no law. It's like there's not a law that you have to look at and go, oh, my gosh. Check off. Ugh. Better make sure I'm doing this. Better make sure I'm doing this. Is there a law? There's absolutely a law, the law of Christ. Come on, are you with me? It's still a sin. There's many things that are still a sin to do. But we're not living by this law going, uh, oh, crud. We're looking at Jesus saying, Lord, let your spirit work in my life, and I'll begin to look like you. Are you with me? We're going to get into that. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of the sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. We don't justify our sinful nature. That's the way I am. It's the way that I was born. This is my natural tendency. No, we take those desires that oppose God, that are of our flesh, and we crucify them. Come on. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. How many want to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of your life? Not just, not just a little here and there, not just on Sundays, come on, not just whenever you're having a good day, but, but in every part of your life, your home life, your, your fathering, come on, and your mothering, come on, and your, some of you that are students, and you're studying, let the Spirit control your life. In your job, when you're flipping your hamburgers, let the Spirit control that. Those are good burgers. The Holy God. I've been to some restaurants where I know that that person was filled with the Spirit of God. <laughs> At least I think. So the fruit of the Spirit, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. What do we mean by the fruit of the Spirit? By the, by the fruit of the Spirit, we mean manifestations of the Spirit of God inside of us. Qualities that the believers possess. This was Jesus' checklist, the fruit of the Spirit. These are all things that Jesus possessed. And because the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that Jesus was, if you'll let me say, possessed with, is now dwelling in us so we can have the same fruit in our lives that Jesus had. Are you with me? So let's, 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 let's talk about this. Again, it's the fruit of the Spirit not the fruit of the circumstance. 
If we're only fruitful when everything is going our way, then we are producing the fruit of our environment, not the fruit of the Spirit. So we say, so what do we do? We act according to the flesh, and we say, well, it's because of this situation. I reacted according to the flesh, not of the Spirit. How many know that this fruit is supernatural? It's fruit of the Spirit, not of the natural, not of the environment. Not, not, not according to your home life. Not according to your work life. We think we can't be followers of Christ because we hate our job. Well, Lord, direct my life, and I hate this job. Love. So it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the natural. So let's talk about the fruit of the Spirit. First of all is Love. Love. How many of y'all like the fruit of love? We all like love in our life, right? How many of y'all, food is your love language? Anybody, your food, your love language? Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. This is the greatest, right? This, right? Love. Love is the greatest. It's, it's the greatest. Why? Because God is love. Can, can I tell you this morning that we cannot properly love unless we have God? See, the world has a, has a jacked up view about what and we get mad at them, right? We're like, oh, they don't even want to love it. It's like, of course they don't know what love is. They don't love God. They don't know God. They haven't experienced the love of God. 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not know God, anyone who does not know love does not know God, for God is love. Now, it doesn't say love is God, which is kind of what society has said. Well, the love is God. No, no, no. Love is not God. God is love. And our ability to love is not based upon how easy people are to love. Oh, now, now let me just be honest. I have a hard time loving people that are not easy to love. Right? You, you guys, we all love people that are not easy to love. Am I the only one? Who, who else? Say, uh, that's me too. Now, some of us are not easy to love. Now, you need to be easy to love. You need to help us out. Give us a little grace here. Come on, are you with me? But, but, but listen, love comes from God. And if we can't love people, if you read in 1 John, it says this. It says, if we can't love people that we can see, then how can we say that we love God whom we can't see? So we love people not because of something they bring to the table. We love people not because they're nice to us or they love us. No, we have the agape love, which is the word in the Greek there is agape. The God kind of love. The love that says, it doesn't matter how they treat me. It doesn't matter if they crucify me. It doesn't matter if they cuss me out every day. I love them. It doesn't matter if they abuse me. I love them. The true measure of love is when I get nothing in return. Now, now love doesn't necessarily mean you're dancing around rainbows, Right? And you're just saying nice things all the time, right? Because any loving parent knows that love doesn't always look like that. Come on. Let me just say this. The more fruit that shows up in our life when we're under, uh, when, when, when it's naturally difficult. Let me just say it like this. If it's naturally difficult for you to bear fruit, when you do bear fruit, it actually represents Jesus better. So when it's harder to bear the fruit, when it's harder to love someone and you do love them, you actually, in their eyes, you're representing Jesus better. They're like, how could you love me? Right? But sadly, we're really consumed with this thing of conditional love. If the conditions are right, I'll love you. If you act right, if you're easy to love, I love you. I think about Nathan Hernandez, Pastor Nathan, who up here. He's probably the most easy person to love. Pastor Brooke knows, right? He's, he's easy to love. Right? He's just good. He's laid back. He's encouraging. He's always got a smile on his face. He's easy to love. He's easy. Now, I, I won't go over the room, but people that are not easy to love. You get no merit. Listen, there's no merit in loving people that are lovable. I mean, there is, but, I mean, come on. Everybody loves him. It's like everybody loves Nathan. They need to do a TV show. Everybody loves Nathan. But, listen, when we love the, quote, unquote, unlovable, we represent Jesus. 
And the fruit is not dictated upon this person, on how they act or how they respond or if they do what I want them to do. I love them because they're valuable. Number two is joy. Joy, joy, joy. How many of you like joy? How many of you need more joy in your life? I got joy somewhere in here. Joy, joy. Who's, who loves joy? Who wants some joy? Joy? Pastor Brooke got some joy. Catch that. Oh, yeah. Quick, don't throw it. Joy, joy. How many of y'all like joy? We like joy, right? We love joy. The, the, the word in the Greek there is kara. It's where we get the word charismatic. Why? Because when we think of a charismatic person, we think someone that's full of joy, right? We're a charismatic church. That's why, that's why during worship we're joyful, right? Come on. We're, we're, we're not upset. We're not frustrated. We're not dealing with the tension. We're joyful because we're charismatic. It's just not because we're charismatic. It's because we have the fruit of the Spirit. We don't have joy because we're happy. We're happy because we have joy. Come on. I love the way Bill Johnson says it. He says, in the world we rejoice because we have joy. In the kingdom we have joy because we rejoice. Listen, there will always be, there will always be a reason in this world. There will always be opportunities for you every day to not be joyful. But I tell you, bear the fruit of the Spirit. Bear the everlasting fruit that says, it sucks today, but I still got my joy. Because you can, you can rob me of the circumstances, but you can't rob me of what's inside of me. You can't take that away. Listen, I love Psalm 45, 7. It says, you are anointed with the oil of joy. Did you know that? You, believer, follower of Christ, you have Jesus, the same Spirit that possessed Jesus. You have that in you. You've been anointed with the oil of joy. Not the oil of sadness. Not, not the oil of I'm so cool. Because joy doesn't always look cool. In fact, sometimes it's irritating. And then that person falls into the hard to love category at 6 o'clock in the morning. Right? But do you possess true joy in your life? you got the oil of gladness. So it says the oil of joy, the oil of gladness. You have a reason to be happy. Why are you so sad all the time? Well, this is all this stuff. That's not why. Happiness and joy is an inside job. It's an inside job. So you want to be happy on the outside, then you got to get happy up on the inside. And listen, if the devil can rob you of your joy or your circumstances can rob you of your joy, it'll rob you of your strength. So it says Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The enemy wants to rob you of your joy. He wants to take it away. He wants you to be sad. He wants you to be scourged. He wants you to be frustrated. He does not want you to be joy because he knows if he can depower you of your joy, he can take away your strength. Are you with me? Constant, steady, healthy, rejoicing, encouraging, unrelenting joy. It's in you. Let me say that again. Constant, steady, healthy, rejoicing, encouraging, unrelenting joy. It's in you. Say that. It's in me. It's in me. Joy is in you. It's not something that happens to you. It's in you. Everybody say that. It's in me. Number three is peace. Where's peace? Who needs some peace in their life? All right, let's see if I can get this back here. Boom. Oh, you okay? Somebody check him out. We need a medic. It's not dangerous. I'm tossing them. Y'all right? All right. Yeah, the healing. Got a healing in here somewhere. <laughs> That's not okay that you got hit in the face with joy. Or peace. Peace. Sorry, brother. All right. Well, we're going to get Pastor Nathan to toss these out. <laughs> All right, peace. Now, listen, when we talk about peace, this is what we're talking about. Listen, when we talk about peace, we're not saying that everything going on around you is good. It means that no matter what is going on around you, you're good. That's what it means to have peace. Uh, We don't follow peace. Peace follows us. Let me say that again. We don't follow peace. We did a whole series on peace uh, last December. You can catch that on the podcast. We don't follow peace. Peace follows us. So don't, Lord, bring me in. We, we do this for guidance, right? We'll say, well, Holy Spirit, if you give me peace, I'll know it's the will of God. That's contrary to what we see in Scripture. Most of the time in Scripture, people are walking into a very unpeaceful situation, and they brought peace. But what we need to deal with is the anxiety, the frustration, the tension. 
that we have in our life. I love Ephesians 2.14. It says, for he himself is our peace. You want more peace in your life? Your situation doesn't need to change. Your investment in your relationship with Jesus is what needs to change. Y'all all right? All right, patience. Patience, patience, patience. I need a, I need a, a person. I need a <laughs> patience, 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 patience. How many of y'all need more patience in your life? I need, I need more patience in my life. The word for patience, the, the, the actual better word for patience is long-suffering. And the reason why I like the word long-suffering is because the word long-suffering actually explains what patience is. Patience means that you are long-suffering. means that you're willing to suffer long. Long-suffering. Love is long-suffering. It's willing to suffer long. I like to think of it as chill endurance. Chill endurance. Chill endurance in the hope of promise. That it, what's going on, my situation is frustrating. I'm bringing peace, and I'm enduring with patience. I'm waiting on the Lord. Chill endurance and hope for promise. How I many know that timing is everything? Oh, man, we are so cultured for everything now. Right? We're so cultured for everything now. Everything, all the information within five, I mean, we throw a fit if our Wi-Fi is a little slow. Right? We, our, our, our culture prepares, prepares us for patience, not at all. Right? But can I tell you today, in the Lord, timing is everything. Sometimes the answer is wait. I struggle with that one. And waiting is difficult when you're waiting for the Lord. Waiting is not difficult when you're waiting on the Lord, when you're trusting in the Lord. Then you understand that, Lord, I, I get it. I understand it. Can I tell you this? There's billions of people, like 7 billion people, 8 billion people in the world. The God of the universe has got to deal with every heart to make it work out for you. Now, he's the grand orchestrator, but sometimes it takes that person's response before you can get what you're longing for. Are you with me? God's a great master. And what's cool about it is when you're waiting for that work to go on, but the work is going on in you. And God's developing in you. He's developing fruit in you. So don't get so frustrated when you're in the process. Understand that God is, is masterful. He knows right. He knows how the rhythms need to go and the flow needs to go. And we just need to be willing to, to trust ourselves and say, God, I won yesterday, last week. I'm right there with you. And he's going, come on, I'm just waiting for everything to line up for you. Will you just trust me? And as we trust the Lord, this patience just begins to exude out of us. And it is a fruit of the Spirit's. Number five, kindness, kindness, kindness. Come on, Pastor Bro. Kindness. Kindness means that you don't throw apples at people during church. <laughs> Come on, Brooke, just hand that to somebody that the, the Spirit leads you to. All right. Kindness looks like this. How do you respond when you're treated rudely? Oh, How do you treat your waiter when they got your order wrong five times? Well, I'm not going to give them a tip. Yeah, that's kindness. Maybe you need a top. How about you tip them because they're not doing anything good? How about you have the spirit of generosity? Well, I don't deserve. What do you deserve? You want to talk about deserving? We can talk about that. Oh. How do you respond when you're treated rudely or unjustly? Or if somebody cuts you off in traffic, how is your kindness working? Does it offer a hand or a finger? <laughs> right? Kindness. 
Can I tell you that this is something that needs to happen within the body, that we're kind with one another, that we're patient with one another, because we're all bearing fruit in our lives, and it doesn't always look the same as it does next to my neighbor, because maybe his process is taking a little longer in that department. Can I tell you today that Jesus wasn't rude? Oh, what about when he, he wasn't rude? He was righteous. He is righteous, but never rude. If and this is what happened, we start, we talk about holiness and people go, oh, I'm going to go hide in the other room. Why? Because most of the time, holiness is associated with meanness. Holiness that is not kind is not holiness. Let me say that again. Holiness, if anybody comes to you and they're mean and they're, they're saying that this is because they're righteous or they're holy or whatever they want to say, that's not holiness. Holiness is kind. Holiness is inviting. It doesn't mean that you won't speak a hard word, but when you do it, you bring it in love. And your motivation's pure. And your heart's pure. So holiness that is not kind is not holiness. Kindness. That means you smile at the person that just ticked you off or that got your order wrong. I know it's hard to ask for it. I know you're paying for it. I know you're being a good steward of your money or whatever. I know. I deal with this all the time. I, I do it. I, I ain't going to lie. Every time. Every time I go to a, a, a restaurant, and I, I'm leaving a tip, and I try to be generous because I've waited tables before. Come on, all the waiters and waitresses or post, you know, waiters and waitresses. Somebody come, and they just don't do good. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to give them like. I'm going to give them 15%, right, because that's the minimum that's deserved. Y'all understand that? I know that that's hard for you to understand, but yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to leave them 15%. And every, I ain't going to lie, every single time the Lord's like, is that how I treat you? I think when we're kind to people when they don't deserve it, it actually causes them to rise to the occasion to want to be kinder. I believe that. All right, number six, goodness. Goodness, goodness. We talk about goodness, we're talking about moral integrity. Moral integrity and conviction. Goodness means purity of heart. Purity of heart. How pure is your heart? Uh, Yeah, how pure is your heart? How deep are your convictions? Goodness. Proverbs 11.3 says this, the integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. So the integrity, listen, you have integrity, you have moral integrity, you will have a moral compass. It will guide you, it will lead your life, goodness. Number seven, faithfulness. Now we're going to spend a lot of time on faithfulness in the coming weeks. I don't know. You're just going to have to find it, Pastor Brooke. Sorry. I worked real hard on that, too. Faithfulness. What, is it, what are you talking about when we're talking about faithfulness? Again, we're going to talk about this in depth probably next week or the week after. But listen, faithfulness is consistency. Come on. Commitment. Come on. The, you know what faithfulness means? Faithfulness means doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Tell people, well, I'm not seeing results. Well, sometimes you do the right thing over and over and over and over and over again. Well, that's called insanity. I get what you're saying, but you need to do the right thing, and sometimes the reward is doing the right thing. Sometimes the right thing is just being faithful. Just give another one out. <laughs> Did we leave out faithfulness? I was so unfaithful with the faithfulness. I was so unfaithful with the faithfulness. But if, listen, how consistent are you? Are you a man or woman of your word? How, listen, how faithful... You're right. How faithful are you when you say you're going to do something or you say you're going to be there? We, this, this is one of the real struggles that I have. I have, a, I have a, a conviction in me that's very deep that says if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. That if I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to be there on time, and I'm going to be the best that I can be in that situation. Why? Because my father taught me to be faithful. My heavenly father teaches me to be faithful too. In fact, God is so faithful that even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. That's crazy. But that we are faithful, faithful people. That we, 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 do, we do sometimes things that we don't like because we know that it's holy. 
Be a person of your word. Again, we're going to dig into that a little bit more later. Number eight, gentleness. Gentleness, 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 gentleness. So you're all over it. You just, you just go with it. All right. Gentleness. Gentleness is this, the compassion, being compassionate to the needs of others and tender with their weakness. Compassionate to the needs of others and tender with their weakness. How gentle are you? I know for me, I have to be reminded of myself to being gentle with the way that I discipline my children. Being gentle when someone disagrees with me. Being gentle when someone is weaker than I am in an area. Grace. Not short, gruff. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. When people say, I'm not a people person. I'm like, you're not a people person. What kind of person are you? You're not a are you like an alien person or, you know, I mean, I get like, I'm not a cat person or I'm not a dog person or I'm not a TV person. I get that. But you're not a people person. I hope you've never said that because I could really say something that could deeply offend you right now. I don't think you can be a people person and be a Jesus person. If you're a Jesus person, you're going to be a people person. Well, people just get on my nerves. I bet you get on people's nerves. Let's just have a conversation about it. Everybody, everybody just gets on my nerves. I'm like, well, maybe the problem isn't them. So anyway, I'm going to try to deal with that more gently next time. But we need to be gentle with people in their weakness. And people that are like that, we give them the grace that we're gentle with them. Well, what do we do? We raise, they raise their voice or we raise our voice. Nothing gets soft. Just voices get louder. Whoever can be the loudest wins the argument. No. Whoever can be gentle, soft-spoken, tender with weakness. Gentleness. Number nine is self-control. Self-control. Uh, one, one of the translations uses the word temperance. Let me, let me read to you the definition. The virtue of one who masters his desires and passions. Let me say that again. The virtue, the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions. Self-control. How many of y'all still on novice or rookie level on self-control? Temperance. Especially, and this is, if you look it up in the Greek, it says this, especially sexual desires. See, young man, you don't have a lust issue. You have a self-control issue. Young man, you don't have an anger issue. No, 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 no. You have a self-control issue. So what you need in your life is not less things that make you angry. What you need is more self-control. You lose control. Come on, anger. Come on, how many of y'all? And I say men because we really, we're weaker in the self-control area. But some, some of you women, you are too. Yeah. We won't talk about that. <laughs> Gentleness. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better a patient man than a warrior. A man who controls his temper the one who takes a city. We need some self-control in our lives. Okay, so we talked about these non-fruit of the Spirit. Brooke, you just want to take these and just pass them around the room? It's heavy. You're probably going to need, like, you sure? I mean, it's heavy. Okay. It's heavy, heavy fruit. How many of you want more heavy fruit? And you're like, oh, heavy, heavy fruit. All right. So if it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what do we need to produce more fruit? More of the Holy Spirit in my life. Are you with me? So there's one fruit. Now, now people say this. It's the fruits of the Spirit. So don't post a tweet or get on Facebook and say, Pastor Josh preached on the fruits of the Spirit. It's not fruits, plural. It's fruit, singular. 
We talk, that's why we didn't have an apple and an orange and a banana. Why? Because an apple tree only produces apples. It doesn't have oranges and all these things. It is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. Y'all all right? Now, it's one fruit, and we just talked about non-manifestations. So there's not, now there might be things that can help and triggers that cause you to not have this thing. I, I, I get it. I get it. I get that there can be triggers. I get, get that there can be uh, some little things. But listen, although there may be many ways to facilitate the fruit in our lives, there's only one way to generate it. There's only one way to generate the fruit of the Spirit in your life. See, the, the solution to you being more loving the solution to you being more patient, the solution to you being more self-controlled or peaceful, the solution to all those things, if that's a weakness in your life, is the same. Because it's one spirit, one fruit. Are you guys with me? So let's talk about the solution. The solution is this, life in the spirit. Everybody say life in the spirit. Life in the Spirit is how you produce more fruit in your life. Not by reading books and going to counselors. Come on, not that I have any problem with those things. Those are great. Those things can help you facilitate. Great. Provide better environments. Great. But the solution, listen, the solution is life in the Spirit. So how many of you want to have life in the Spirit? I'm going to talk about that real quick. I'm going to be done. The first key to life in the Spirit is this, number one, identity. Again, you're identified by the kind of fruit that you produce. Apple trees produce apples. Jesus said it this way, the good man, Matthew 7, the good man produces good fruit from the good in his heart. The bad man, the evil man, so you don't have, you don't have good person, bad fruit. That's what we say, right? Good person, bad fruit. We don't have that. Good person, good fruit. Well, they're a good person. They're just making bad choices. Good person, good fruit. Tenderly, gracefully, good person, good fruit. Bad person, bad fruit. You have a lot of the work of the flesh in your life, that, which we covered. You have a lot of that. It's continuing in your life. It's because that's what's in your heart. Are you okay? All right. Number one is identity. We're talking about our character, who we are. Uh, that which comes out of our life is directly impacted by who we are. Can I tell you this? That I don't have to strive to be the son of, of Larry Brown, my dad. I don't have to go, I'm a son today. So I'm going to do the things that my dad does. Like, I'm going to have a good work ethic. I don't have to, like, force myself to have that. It just comes natural. Why? Because it's my identity. It's who I am. When I look in the mirror sometimes or I do something that was like my daddy did, I don't have to force myself to do that. I don't have to generate it. I just have to understand. I just am. It's just who I am. I'm the son of Larry Brown. So whenever I hear you act like your dad, I think, awesome, number one, because I have an awesome dad. Number two, I think, well, of course, I'm his son. Identity. Psalm 92, verse 12. Love this. One of my favorite psalms. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Study the cedars of Lebanon. We're not going to go into it today, but study that. Lebanese flag has a cedar on it. To tell you something. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. What is it saying? It's saying the righteous will flourish. The righteous will produce fruit. No matter the season, no matter how old it is, the righteous flourish. That word flourish means to break forth, to bud, to bloom, generally to spread, specifically to fly. Isn't that interesting? So one of the words, so you just got the fruit of God just flying off your life. The fruit of the Spirit is just boom. It's like coming. It breaks forth. It buds. It flourishes. Who flourishes? The righteous. 
Did you know that you are righteous not according to what you do, but according to who Jesus is and what he has done? That's what makes you righteous. So you bear fruit in your life, not because you're so good at it. You bear fruit in your life because you belong to a good heavenly father. And you have the same spirit of God that was in Jesus inside of you. You are righteous. I want you to say that. I'm righteous. Some of y'all scared to say that. You can say it. I'm righteous. I am. Declare that. I am righteous. Listen, it's not because of what you did or because of what you didn't do. It's because of what Jesus has done. That's the gospel. It doesn't matter how good of a person you, you are, how much fruit you can produce in your life, or how good you, and appealing and leafy you can be. Who are you? Who are you? I'm a son, and nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. I'm a son. I look like my daddy. I act like my daddy. I look kind of like my daddy. But I'm taller like my daddy. Not as tall as my daddy. But I look like my daddy. And I look like my heavenly father. And I look like Jesus because it's in my DNA. I don't look exactly like him, but as I grow and as I learn and as I spend time with him, I become more like him. And you do too. Now, let me say this. We should strive to bear fruit, meaning that it's our goal. But it isn't produced by our efforts. We don't bear fruit by striving. You don't bear fruit by going, I'm going to focus on love today. Love. It's not the way it works. That's called works. If you can produce it, it's works. The works are of the flesh. The works of the flesh are obvious. The fruit of the Spirit. Can I tell you today that all the work that you do for God that's godly, that comes out of your life, is really a fruit. It's not a work at all. It's not because of your efforts that you did something good. It's because the Spirit of God inside of you provoking you to do good things. We bear fruit by remaining and trusting in Jesus. That's what it said in the passage we've been studying, John 15. That's why Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can only bear fruit if you remain in me. We don't achieve fruit. We actually yield fruit. It's interesting that 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 term is used. The tree yields fruit. So how do we produce fruit in our life? By yielding to our identity. identity. We produce fruit by yielding to the righteousness that I already am. I'm an apple tree. (sighs) Love. Y'all all right? The key is getting more connected. But can I tell you today that connection dictates, this is very important, connection dictates the influence of my source. For instance, if I was born into the world and I never spent time with my daddy, There might be some resemblance in the way that I look, but my character won't be like him. My grandfather, there's I have a picture that I keep in my phone. There's and and the reason why I keep it in my phone is because it's it's a habit that I have that when I'm eating, I'll wad up a a napkin. I don't know. I'll I'll be walking around the house an hour after I eat and have a napkin in my hand, wadded up in my hand. It's the weirdest thing. And I'll just walk around with a napkin in my hand. I'm like, why do I do that? I mean, I'm wiping everything with it. I'm wiping my phone with it. I'll feel something in my cheek. I'll wipe it. Like, wipe up the kid's spit away. I just have a napkin in my hand. I don't intentionally do it. It's just there. And I saw a picture one time of my granddad, and he was sitting at the table, and he had a napkin in his hand. And I thought, how did that happen? Because I got around him, and it got on me what he did. So listen, connection dictates the influence of my source. Connection will dictate how fruitful you are. Can I tell you today, you're a son, you're a daughter, 
Nothing's going to change that. But how connected you are will dictate. And how are we connected? Through the infilling. Check this out. Some, of us, some people have suggested that the infilling of the Spirit, that's what we're talking about right now, the infilling of the Spirit. Some have suggested that being filled with the Spirit is simply something that happens to your thinking. Although, although there may be things that happen there, I suggest that being filled with the Spirit is much more dramatic than that. When you are filled with the Spirit, you will think differently. You will also act totally different than you naturally would. You would not recognize me if you met me when I was 17 and you compared me to who I am now. You would not even recognize me. I'm totally different. Why am I totally different? Are there some natural tendencies? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm totally different. I was not bold. I was timid. I was to myself. Why? Because I've been filled with the supernatural Spirit of God. And it's not about my nature anymore. When I'm filled, when I'm filled with the Spirit, my supernature produces more than my human nature. Listen, if your human nature, your carnal nature, your flesh, whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to call it, if my flesh is producing more than my spirit, it's an indicator that I'm not well connected to the Spirit. Listen, you have a supernature. You should be more supernatural than you are natural. I said, you should be more supernatural than you are natural. That's why you have joy when you shouldn't. That's why you're patient when you shouldn't be. That's why you're gentle when you shouldn't be. Why? Because you have a supernature inside of you that is more powerful than anything going on around you. Will you get this? But you've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. And it doesn't happen from a moment. And it doesn't happen by an experience. It happens through relationship. By staying connected. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? I don't know. Well, then today we'll take care of that. Because connection dictates the influence of my source. So I'm a son, I'm a son, I'm a son. But I don't act like a son until I'm filled and possessed by the Spirit of God. Ephesians 5.18 says this, Do not be drunk with wine, which, which will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Why does he say this? Why does he say this? Why does he talk about, compare it to drinking? Because in order to get drunk, in order to be intoxicated, you got to drink and drink. Right? You don't, like, have a taste, and then you're like, oh, tipsy. Unless it was me because I haven't touched anything in like for ages and I'd like licked it, I'd probably be like on the floor or something. But you don't get, you don't get drunk by tasting. So he's saying, don't, don't be drunk with wine as an access. Instead, in contrast, be filled with the Spirit. So you aren't filled with the Spirit by tasting the Spirit. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You aren't filled with the Spirit by tasting. You aren't filled with the Spirit by thinking. You're filled with the Spirit by coming and getting connected with the Spirit and saying, Lord, fill me. One translation says it this way. It says, be being filled with the Spirit of God. We don't, being filled with the Spirit is not an event. It starts with an event. It's ignited at an event, but it's a continual process that I'm living in connection with the Spirit of God. The more I am filled with the Spirit of God, the more my supernature is influenced. Can I tell you that if I'm distant from my father, his influence is limited. Lord, I want to have more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. How much prayer time did you have this week? I'm so impatient. I need counseling. I, I I get this all the time. I, I just need to talk to somebody because I've got this impatient thing. I've got this anger thing. I can, we can talk great. We will. But my advice is always the same. And it sounds simple, and it sounds elementary, and I always ask two questions. How much time have you spent praying, and how much time have you read in the Word? And usually, for most of us, we're real heavy on the Word or we're real heavy on the praying thing. But we have got to get connected by intimacy with the Lord. How much time are you spending in the presence of God? I want Because we go out and we spend, we spend eight hours a day with the spirit of the age and the spirit of the world. We expect our 20-minute devotional to produce fruit in our lives? How connected? We come and we squeeze in the Lord in an hour and a half, hopefully. 
pastor does good and short. And we expect it to influence. Listen, you've got to stay connected with the Spirit. It's really what this whole series is about. Remain in me. Number three is influence. And this is what happens. Galatians 5.25, I'm going to share one more illustration, then we're going to shut it down. He says this, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Since we are living by the Spirit, like we've been talking about, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. There was a guy when I worked in the oil field, and uh, this was way back, and the guy would... We found out that the guy was like an alcoholic. And, uh, you know, my heart always goes out to people that are destroying their lives. And I remember this guy would come, and he would show up, and we, we worked in a pump shop. And he would begin working on the on the pumps there in the shop, and and uh, he began to sweat. And when he began to sweat, you begin to smell booze. You begin to smell the alcohol that was in side of this man because he drank so much booze. He'd get off work and he'd go home and he'd just get drunk every night. Just the way he lived his life. And I remember being so disgusted by that. It smells like alcohol in here. And what it was, it was this guy's this is just oozing out of this guy. He didn't have to, listen, he didn't have to say, okay, today I'm going to sweat and it's going to smell like alcohol. No, but because it was his diet, because it was the thing that he was spending his life investing, pouring that, into, pouring that alcohol into his life over and over and over again, eventually it became part of his identity. Eventually it began to produce fruit, began to come out of his life. We began to smell his thing. Can I tell you, the more that you get intoxicated, if you will, the more that you overdose, if you will, on the Spirit of God, the more that you drink in, This is why it's called the new wine. Come on, are you with me? The more that we drink the new wine, the more the new wine will influence you. And you will no longer be functioning like you would naturally function. And you've been around drunk people. You've probably been a drunk person before. I know I have. And I know when I'm drunk, I act different than I naturally do. But can I tell you, when we drink deep of the river of God, when we drink deep of the new wine, and we allow that to, then it begins to come out of our life. We begin to sweat out the Spirit of God. Why? Because it's our steady intake. So it's not about... Oh, if I can do it today. It's about, can I get connected with them?